What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Hey everyone, I am so excited to introduce this episode. In this episode, I actually went on Mike Goldstein's YouTube live show. So he's a relationship coach and he invited me on his YouTube channel to do a live interview with him and his audience. And during this episode, he's asking me some questions, but then we get a lot of questions just being fired at me by people who are tuning in live on his YouTube channel. So there are a lot of men, a lot of women saying, hey, Brendan, what should I do if the guy doesn't pursue me? Should I do this? Is this too masculine? Is this too feminine? And I had an absolute blast on his show. So what you'll hear in a minute is him, Mike Goldstein, the easy dating coach, introducing me onto his YouTube live show where I was a guest, but it came out so good. We had so much fun. I talked about masculine energy, feminine energy, dating, relationships. We just had a blast, and I reached out to him and said, hey, I would love to make this an episode on my own show as well, which he did, we did, and so enjoy. Let me know what you guys think. Tune in. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, guys. I am so excited. Welcome to the Easy Dating Coach. This is my second ever live broadcast. I've been recording videos for years, but I just don't seem to go live. So welcome, guys. And and I am so excited because I got my good friend, Brendan Burns. And more exciting than that, Brendan is an expert not only on dating, but he's an expert on making life better and getting you ready for dating, which I so rarely talk about. And this is so important because it doesn't matter how much strategy I give you guys. If you're not in a place to date, if you're not happy, we're never going to get it done. So anyway, guys, stick around as well. Um, We've got some free gifts later. And also go in the chat, ask some questions. Uh, I don't want this to be boring. We are freaking live So I'm going to be checking your questions. You'll see my head down. I'm going to give them to Brendan, give them to myself. We will answer them. But anyway, Brendan, say hi to everybody. Mike, thank you so much for inviting me here. I am blissed. I am excited. I'm ready to go. Oh, man. He's got just as much energy as me. This is going to be an insane live. I love it. (laughs) All right, guys. Topic today, how to be the best you so you can get him. Yes, being the best yourself. All right, Brendan, let's hop right into this, pal. How can people live more authentically as who they truly are? And what is positive impact can that have on dating, my friend? Now, to become who you truly are means to embody what you were meant to do and and acting as your real true self. And we spend more time in our lives and our jobs than anywhere else, more than we're at home, more than we're sleeping. We spend our most time doing our career work 
than anything else. So that's so for me, it starts with living a authentic career and authentic profession. Now, I understand that it's hard to change jobs. It's hard to always cultivate that on your own terms to have your own business. But thinking about starting with your career, how can I be authentically doing what I love? I was actually just meeting up with someone yesterday. She's a friend of mine. We're in the same networking group. We've both been to the same personal development seminars together. And she told me that she really wanted to manifest a man in her life. She really wanted a, a partner that she could share her life with. And it was important to her that she was able to do that with someone who was passionate about their work and their career because they'll come home at the end of the day, be really happy, they'll be really excited. And she said that in order to attract that, she had to become that herself. So she had to stop saying, okay, I'm, what's the corporate lifestyle that everyone else is living? And how can I create an awesome business of my own? And I actually have the business card right here. You can see a hanger on it. She has this awesome company where she comes and she redesigns your home and helps you feng shui your apartment, do whatever you need to do to make it awesome. And she loves to do that. And then now she is in a relationship with someone that she's been in since last fall with a guy who loves his job and is super passionate about that. Now, she told me, you don't have to be a multi-bazillionaire, you know, the founder of Facebook, whatever. It just has to be something that you either love doing or you're working towards that. She told me that she met a man once and he was in the Marine Corps and he was about to leave. And she said, what do you want to do when you get out of the military? And he said, I want to deliver mail or deliver packages. And she said, oh, yeah, that's like your big aspiration. And he said, yes, because have you ever gotten a package, seen a new shiny package waiting for you and not gotten excited and said, what's going to be in that box? He says, I want to be that guy who hands the package to those people all day, every day. And she was like, you know what? That's so cool, because if that's what he's passionate about and he wants to do that, that's cool. I just want someone who's living authentically. So when I think about living authentically, I start with the career, but then I move on to other areas of your life. For example, who are you spending time with? Who are the friends, the family, the people in your life? And are you engaging in activities with them that you truly enjoy? In my past, I used to go out and drink beers and eat unhealthy food and do all these things because I thought that's what would get people to like me. And I wasn't being my true self. And in those environments, I was attracting women who were doing the same things, things that I wasn't interested in. So I was pretending to be someone else. And I was attracting women who were attracted to that person that I wasn't. So what did I do? I changed up my career. I do my own business now. I'm really passionate about that. And I changed up my friend group. And I hang out with people who are doing things that are interesting to me, rock climbing, playing indoor soccer, traveling studying, praying, meditating, whatever it is, living my authentic life. And then guess what? My girlfriend, I met her at one of these events. We go to her church together. We do all these things together because we I lived authentically and then I attracted someone on that same wavelength as me. <laughs> I love that. That's so amazing. And congratulations on, on getting to a place where you are living your authentic self. Um, so let's move on. So we've talked about this in all the time, but what is the difference between masculine and feminine energy? And why is it important for a romantic partner? So in my experience, if you talked to me one year ago, I would have said, Mike, this is nonsense. I don't believe in masculine and feminine energy. Mm -hmm. And that was because I was in denial about the fact that even though my core is masculine energy, I was embodying feminine energy as a result of my upbringing, which conditioned me to be more feminine. And I think a lot of people 
live in an energy that may not be true to them because that was how they were conditioned from their past. Or maybe they had totally fine childhood, but now you're, you take a woman who's an adult and she wants a partner. She wants a boyfriend. She wants a husband. And now she's playing big time masculine energy all over the place. And then she's going to attract feminine men. And that might not be the right partner for her because when you have a relationship, when you have any kind of sexual chemistry, there's polarity. You have to have one masculine and one feminine. Now, granted, we all have both in us. And I don't want the men listening to be like, okay, I have to be all macho and masculine and all the women to say, I have to float around and do nothing. Because as you know, part of your dating strategy requires a lot of masculinity. Mm -hmm. You have to create the match profile. You have to get out there. You got to go on 100 dates or whatever. But when you're on those dates, I think you encourage them to embrace more femininity when they're there, if that's their true energy. Mm -hmm. So in my past, I'll just give you an example. Yeah. I personally embodied a lot of feminine energy because I had a very controlling and domineering father who was actually feminine. Controlling isn't masculine. Controlling is a way to try to feel masculine. And he pushed down my ability to be masculine. So to get his approval and to fit in with his system, I had to be feminine. Same thing with my mother. She was very masculine, tried to control me. So I took, I was like, how do I get love for my primary caregivers? Be feminine energy. Okay. It served me well to get love from my parents. And then I carried that through in my life without realizing it all way buried down, totally subconscious. So now adult Brendan is going out on dates and is starting to connect with and feel chemistry. If I'm with a feminine person, then then there's just two feminine polarities or energies. There's no polarity. Have you ever heard the term being friend zoned? Yeah, of course. That's when you're feminine energy with a feminine woman and then they're attracted to the masculines. So they oh. just see you as another feminine. That's so interesting. Yeah. So in my pistol, so I would have a lot of friend zone situations. And then for a relationship to get off the ground, I would have to be with a masculine woman. And that's what happened to me. And there's nothing wrong with a masculine woman. One of the preeminent relationship coaches in the world, in my opinion, I don't know if he would agree with this, but based on seeing him live once, I believe that he carries slightly more feminine than masculine energy and that his wife is slightly more masculine than feminine. They did an event together and she was the one running the show. She was talking more. She was answering questions. She was the leader and he was more in the feminine. So it doesn't really matter who's who. Just being true to yourself, I think, is really important. And I wasn't being true to myself. I was being more feminine when the true me is more masculine. And I think what the listeners could possibly take away from this is you probably have a lot of amazingly beautiful, divine goddess women out there who deserve to be loved. And they want that love. And they may be playing a little bit too much of a masculine role to try to create that. And I'm sure you've seen that with your clients and you've helped them embrace more femininity. When you came on my podcast, you told me that. You said, okay, you can write the first message. You can go on the date. You can express interest. But you have to let the guy do the follow-up to see if he's genuinely interested or not. So to me, that means pulling off of the masculine going back to some feminine. All right. How about this, Brendan? Help us out. So- you know, there's a lot of great men out there and they don't know about this masculine feminine thing. And maybe they're, maybe there's a fantastic guy out there that a woman is watching this right now and she's dating an amazing guy and she wants him to be more masculine. Yep. And he's, 
he's got all the qualities she's wants. She, she, he, she wrote her top five things that she needs, and he's got the top five things, but he doesn't get the roles. So how can this woman get the guy to be more masculine? What do you think she can do? Mm. So that's that's a great question that I see all the time, especially with couples that I counsel is like, how do I get my partner to fill in the blank? And I, I think that comes down to communication, showing them what's at stake, showing them what's important to them, and then ultimately leading a horse to water and seeing whether or not he'll drink. And for most people, I would say women just introduce some of these resources to your men. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I need you to change or I need you to do this. It could be more of like, oh, hey, my brother or my dad or whatever. I saw this cool book. I think you might enjoy it. It's, becoming more masculine can be fun. There are some really good books out there on it. A few books that I've read, like Lewis Howes has a book called um, Removing the Mask of Masculinity, something like that. Um, David Data has a great book um, called The Way of the Superior Man. And one idea is I think it's the fourth chapter of that book, um, Way of the Superior Man, I have the audiobook is like an hour long meditation, which is all about masculine and feminine energy. And um, I don't know how you feel about bribes or involving physical sex intimacy into the equation, but I think a woman could go to her man and say, hey, I wanna do, do this meditation with, with you, which can incorporate sex and touching and all physical stimulation that I think a lot of men would be very interested. And also, you're doing a masculine, feminine energy meditation together. So that's one opportunity is to check out that recorded meditation from Way of the Superior Man. But I could go on and on with more and more resources. But ultimately, I think that's part of it. But here's another big part of it is the woman embrace more of your femininity. Because to some degree, get a woman trying to get the man to be more masculine, that is being masculine. So... To some degree, because uh, I've noticed in my own personal journey, if I'm dating someone who's masculine, I can bitch and moan and be like, oh, my God, she's so masculine and, uh, and I want a feminine partner. But who's in control of attracting the opposite energy? It's me by living in the polarity that I deserve to be in. And then there will be polarity with the other side, because I could, I've been in these situations where I'm frustrated with the level of masculinity of my female partners. And I say, "Who? well, whose fault is this? Did it, is she being more masculine randomly or did I show up to the universe in fem, more feminine energy? And then we created polarity and this relationship got off the ground based on where I was and what can I do to become more masculine? So listeners, what can you do to become more feminine? And that's probably a whole separate question, which I'm sure you're well-versed to answer based on the fact that you work with a lot of women and you've helped them with that. I absolutely love this answer. Um, and I love just how you're taking accountability. Like that's so important. Everyone's always so like quick to blame, like, oh, that person's being masculine or whatever. But no, he's like, well, if I step up and be more masculine, then she can be more feminine. And, you know, it's so spot on. Like I have this one friend who is the most masculine female I've ever met. And <laughs> so many of my male friends where I'm like either trying to set them up or, you know, hang out with her. I'm just like, I'm terrified by this person. She's way too masculine for me. Yeah. And I'm like, and I feel that way sometimes too. But then I'm like, hold on. What if I start taking some, taking some things off her plate? What if I plan where we're going? What if I tell her what we're doing, you know, knowing what she likes? And I'm saying, hey, we're going here. We're going to go get you that drink you love. I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, she started acting more feminine. Mm -hmm. So 
that's perfect to your point. Yes, I have a friend and she's extremely masculine energy and she went to this event to serve as a like a volunteer in an extremely masculine role. But she was in a group with a guy who was five times as masculine and she was able to sit back and she couldn't even she didn't understand what was happening. But that's the thing is, you know, that can change the charge. So for women interested in um, attracting more masculine men. Uh, it, it's about taking a step back and figuring out how can you embrace your femininity and trusting that process. Because I think part of relinquishing that for women is sort of letting go of control in a lot of ways um, and stepping into like divine feminine energy and not trying to control your dating process too heavily. Absolutely. That's awesome. So I just got a question in here yep. um, that I'd love your take on. Um, how can a girl tell a guy she likes him without pressuring him? <laughs> that's a great question i think it's i think there's a lot of modern dating advice that says you know that women need to like take the back seat and let the guy come to them and to some degree that's true because i don't know if you've seen the show the office with steve carell of course yeah and there's a there's a woman the indian woman kelly who's really into the guy ryan and she's like anxious attachment style always into him like super clingy like that cliche model right so you obviously don't want to go on that end of the spectrum but i think it's it's completely fair for the woman to express some level of interest in the man um but then put the ball in his court to see if he reciprocates um in my current relationship uh started out as a friendship um the woman i met who i'm now dating we met at an event in new york city i thought she was interesting so we met up a couple times and then it got to a point where I was like, okay, I think this is like a romantic situation. And um, we went out, I asked her out to dinner and we talked a lot. And then at the end, um, I just, I kind of went first, right? I said, I was like, look, I, I think I like you and I, I have a lot of friends already, so I don't need more friends, but I am single and would like to explore something romantically with you. And I do believe that that's for sure more of a masculine step that I took. Um, however, if she went first and shared that, um, because I'm secure attachment style and I liked her too, I would reciprocate and I would say, okay, yeah, I feel the same way. Let's date. So I think there's nothing wrong with the woman taking the first step. You just want to make sure women that you don't take all the steps, right? You can say, it's like, Hey, I really want to do something with you Friday night. Okay. Now the guy needs to start doing some planning. You can step in and help, but it's gotta be a balance. Like you gotta, each person has to sort of meet in the middle. Yeah, I love that answer. And like, why not? Like, life's too short. Like, he, quite frankly, like, I'm an idiot. And I will <laughs> never know if a woman likes me unless she blamely says, hey, Mike, and shakes me. And is like, I freaking like you. That's how <laughs> I will know. Because um, I'm just not that smart. And so for the person who wrote this question, like, you can go tell him. And to Brendan's point, like, say I like you. And now that you did a somewhat masculine thing, which is fine, it's okay to yeah. hop on your masculine side. Now, what does he do? Like, does he reciprocate? Does he say he likes you back? Does he ask you on a date? Does he, you know, let him get back on the masculine side so he can be like, yeah, I got her on this first date. So like when he, you know, so you're giving him a chance to, to take it over. Uh, do you think that's good advice? I think that's amazing advice. I think if you are, for the women listening, if you're interested in a man, um, express interest, put yourself out there, be vulnerable, 
just say to him, you know, ask him out for a coffee or, ask, you know, just say that, you know, go up to him if you guys talk regularly and just say, look, I, th I think I like you or I straight up, I like you and I'd be interested in going out with you sometime. Um, there's, I vouch for that a thousand percent. I think that's amazing advice. And then to your follow-up point, it's then about releasing him and letting him come back to you. Um, because if you then are following up and then you plan the date and you're doing all the work, you're kind of like dragging this guy into it. And if he's not, that will then create a relationship that's lopsided. So it's important to do that. And the other thing that I would say is a lot of this comes back to stability and feeling secure because I see with so many women, a woman will come to me for relationship coaching and she'll say, Brendan, I met this guy six months ago and we went on like three dates and, and, she, and they're just so obsessed with this guy who's totally emotionally unavailable. And they're trying to do all the work to somehow get that thing back off the ground. Whereas there's like some guy who's great in their lives now, who's totally secure and stable that they're not attracted to, or, you know, some kind of excuse. So I think the other side of it is women, absolutely. You can ask the guy out or, or just say, Hey, I like you. Um, but don't obsess over these situations where you're trying to create something where it's not there. And I would encourage you to look inside of yourself of why am I attracted to more unavailable men, if that's your pattern, when there's probably a great guy right here that you're not giving a fair shot. That's so spot on. I love that. All right. We have um, a few more questions down here. Guys, keep asking questions. We're going to come back to them. But I want to keep moving with Brendan real quick. We're going to come back to these questions, I promise, after we do one more with him. Yep. Um, Brendan, how do you implement and practice extreme self-care? I've been waiting to – I can't wait for your answer on this one. Yes. So, you know, like I was saying earlier, we spend more time on our career than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, we sacrifice our sleep. We sacrifice our bodies. We sacrifice what we put in our bodies. To me, extreme self-care – is putting yourself and your needs before literally the entire world, before your boss, before your family, before your kids, before your spouse. Your relationship with yourself is by far and away the most important relationship. And if you work aggressively and intensely on soothing yourself and giving yourself exactly what you need, everything else will, for the most part, fall into place. If you're my friend, Mike, and I put all of my energy into you, we will have the most awesome friendship. If I spent all my money on us to go to Knicks games and Rangers games and play sports and hang out and, uh, hey, Mike, I got a free ticket to a cruise to Antarctica. Let's go see some penguins. You and I will have the coolest friendship. And same thing. If I yeah. do that with a spouse, same thing. But what about all the other areas of my life? They will fall apart. And it's the same thing with relationships. It's very common, especially with women. They put all their eggs in the relationship basket. They want to feel the feelings. All the men, they put all their eggs in the work basket because that's sort of where they feel most secure and safe. And again, I'm hyperly uh, over, you know, stereotyping here, but that's generally the patterns that you've seen up until now in our society. So what I would recommend for anyone who's thinking about it, it's sort of you want to have like three circles, almost like a Venn diagram, and you want them all to be about the same size. And it's kind of your, your relationship, your business, and yourself. And, but I would say the self really comes first and then you can uh, work on the other ones. So in terms of self care, I mean, there's so many different things that I do. First thing is um, I only work four days a week. I don't do a five day work week. Um, second thing is I set my hours very limited. So for me, I do some coaching 
and I only take coaching calls on two or three days per week. Um, I have big boundaries around friends and when I see them. Um, take, you know, taking care of yourself means only surrounding yourself with certain type of people. Mm-hmm. If you're if you have a friend that's late thirty minutes to an hour and every time you hang out or is rude to you or pressures you to drink or whatever something of that nature, to me that's poor self care. You see this so much with family too. Uh, it's very common for women to not have the best relationship with their own mother or their own father. And that can be a huge source of stress in their life. Setting boundaries with a difficult parent is self-care in my opinion. But at the end of the day, putting yourself first. I have a client. She's got a child with her current husband. Her husband has a child from a previous marriage that's living in the house. She's got her job. She's trying to start her own business. She's got a dysfunctional marriage on her hands. I said to her, when are you taking care of yourself? When are you, what was the last time you did that was fun for you? She couldn't remember anything. And I said, homework assignment this weekend, go to a bookstore, buy a DVD, buy your favorite, buy, buy a fun book to read. Just do something just for you. And slowly but surely, it can turn into what I have, which is a two-hour morning routine where I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I don't wake up until I've slept at least eight hours. I spend one to two hours meditating, relaxing, having tea, and the same thing in the evening. Whoa. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm going to have to pick your brain offline about that. And I need to be enjoying my mornings a little more. All right. So we got some really busy people on here though. So they don't have an hour or two hours. What can they do for five minutes right when they wake up to, uh, you know, get them ready for the day and do some self-care? Best thing that they could do. Um, and, and this is sort of cliche, but it's because it works is meditation. If you study people who are successful in any area of their lives, you generally see that they sleep at least seven and a half hours per night. They drink at least uh, two liters of water per day and they meditate for at least 10 minutes in the morning. So if you, if I, when I say to people meditate, they say, I can't, but what that really means is I don't want to because to meditate means to totally release and let go and let your thoughts come into your brain. And then you have to look at them and see what's going on. And that's extremely uncomfortable if you've never done that before. And it's a practice and it takes a lot of time. And I would say start with guided meditations. Just go on YouTube and search 10-minute guided meditation and then find one that works and then listen to it every day. Or download the Calm app, C-A-L-M. There's a free plan, seven days of Calm. Do it once a day for 10 minutes. If you don't have 10 minutes, you have no control of your life. Everyone can make 10 minutes for themselves. Go to do it in the bathroom in your office with your headphones on. Do it in the in a closet in your house wake up 10 minutes before everyone else. That to me is the, my golden rule. I meditate every day and it's extremely powerful for self-care. Five minutes, 10 minutes, just do it. I love that. That's good advice. All right, we got another question here, Brendan. Um, how can you be feminine without feeling like a doormat? Mm, that's a great question. Um So feminine energy doesn't mean letting people walk all over you. Um, It just means holding space for your divine core. So things like expressing creativity, freedom, playfulness. I think there's a difference between um, being masculine and setting boundaries. You know, I, I think that, you know, in my experience, I've dated very feminine women who, when I've been late or when I've mistreated them, have called me out and said, hey, you can't treat me like this. You can't do this. We made a plan. Is that them maybe stepping into slightly more masculine energy to be assertive and express themselves? Possibly. 
but I have had the best boundaries set on me by two of the most feminine women that I've ever dated. So I think it's a balance. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that being feminine and being a doormat are the same thing. I think being feminine is again, embracing your beauty, your creativity, your connection to the earth, your spirituality, a free flow, a playful nature. I think that at letting go, I think that's more feminine. I wouldn't define feminine as, I would not say it's letting people walk all over you, let people control you, let people take advantage of you. I, I think those are different things. And I think learning how to set boundaries and be firm and be direct doesn't have to be masculine. Yeah, sure. Um, is there like a strategic way to say a boundary so that you're not scaring off a good guy, but still being true to what you need? The more boundaries you set, the more respect you'll get from men. This is a huge thing that women need to understand is that women make themselves too available. They can be too much of a people pleaser and they can be too much of that doormat because they're afraid to scare away the man. In my personal experience with people that I've hired for my business, people that I've dated, people who set really firm boundaries make me very interested in them. Rejection breeds obsession. The people who have said no to me, the people who take longer to respond to me, and within reason, right? I don't want someone who never responds to me and then I'm craving an unhealthy pattern. But people who set firm boundaries with me, I have very high esteem for. I hold them with great respect. And it's the same thing with women. I think women are afraid. And I've done this too from my feminine past of anxious attachment style and feminine energy. I remember one time I started dating someone. And it was a great relationship. It was the early innings of our relationship. And we had a Friday night date. She slept over. We had so much fun. And then it was Saturday morning. She goes home. And right before she leaves, or maybe when she got home, she said, hey, um, me and my sister and her husband are going to be cooking pizza tonight. Like, you're invited to come over. Um, it'll be fun, but no pressure either way. And you got to listen to your gut. And my gut was just like, nope, you need a great night's sleep. If you go over there... You're going to either sleep in Jersey City or you're going to get back at two in the morning. And this just is not what you need right now in your life. You have this relationship with her. She's not going anywhere. You can do this another time. So And so my first instinct was right. And I told her like, oh, I would love to, but I'm so tired and I can't wait to see you on Tuesday or whenever our next date was. And then right after I said that, my mind launched into this like anxious activated system like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose her type thing. So I want to be compassionate towards women who are afraid, you know, to set these boundaries and to do these things. But what it did was it made her much more interested in me because she said, oh, okay, this guy takes care of himself. This guy respects himself. This guy isn't people pleasing me because women can smell that a mile away. Women don't want men that they can control because they might, they might try to get a guy that can control, but ultimately they're going to wind up resenting him and not having any respect for him. And if you don't have respect for your partner, you don't have a relationship. Do you think really what happens with big fear of these boundaries is really women are thinking, if I say this boundary, he disappears, but really it's the only time no. a man disappears is if the value, assuming he likes you, is if the values are not lined up to the values he wants in a partner. Do you think those kind of overlap and we miss seeing that? Yes, I think there are many women and men who are afraid to set a boundary like that because they never have in their past or because they've dated the wrong type of wo women or men in their past. Like in my experience, in my past, I dated emotionally unavailable women. So guess what? If I said no to something, they would disappear. 
they would go find someone else. So I was conditioned to always say yes in order to retain my partner. But I was always in the relationship with the wrong type of woman, with the right man. So ladies who are listening to this, if you're dating the right man for you who's genuinely interested in you and you have a great time and he invites you to something last minute but you can't go, if you say no to him and he's the right guy, he's not going anywhere. He might be a little upset. Oh, I really wanted to see you. But he's not going to go meet another woman just because you couldn't make one event, especially if you can propose an alternative. Just say, I'm really tired or tonight doesn't work or I have to work late with my business. But how about tomorrow night or how about next week? So I think that, like you said, with the right type of person, yes, there is that fear that if I don't give in all the time, I'm going to lose him. But you have to set those boundaries and give him the chance to not disappear and see if he's worthy of the task. Absolutely. And it's a great saver of time, if you will, because if you do set a boundary that is important to you, and then, then the guy does disappear and you never talk to him, well, great. Yeah. Like, on to the next guy. Like, this is yeah. perfect. Instead of wasting months, years with the wrong person that, you know, can't adhere to a boundary, you just saved yourself a lot of stress, right? Yeah. Yeah. You want to find these things out sooner rather than later. All right. Beautiful. Let's keep moving. Um, guys, if you have any questions, I am checking this puppy. So ask away and we are going to answer them. And water and fire, thanks for telling us we're awesome. I appreciate that. Um, all right, Brendan, next question. Yes. Why does professional and career success lead to healthy relationships? Because if you're not happy in the predominant area that you're generally spending the most time of your life in, you're not going to be happy in other areas of your life. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions about a relationship is that the relationship is there to serve you and that your partner is there to make you happy and that your partner is there to make your needs. And if you approach a relationship from that standpoint, you are not going to be in a healthy long-term relationship. A healthy relationship is about getting obsessed with meeting your partner's needs. Now, I know we're talking to a lot of women today, so we got to be careful that you don't become like this codependent people pleaser. But a healthy relationship is when two people are obsessed with meeting each other's needs and not trying to get anything back from themselves. So from that standpoint, to be able to give and to be able to um, sort of be in a good place, that to me comes from having a healthy, successful career. You see this a lot, especially in like older, a uh, couple generations back where you had a lot of women who didn't work and they didn't really have a, a lot that they could take personal ownership for and they would rely on their man to make them happy and to meet their needs. And that was not obviously not a recipe for success. In my opinion, it's a balance because you can have nothing that you're passionate about and that's not going to be good, but you also don't want to become this workaholic like always gone and not have time for a relationship either. So it is finding a balance. But I believe that if you are spending your days doing things that you enjoy and you feel empowered and you're happy, and at the end of the day, you come home and you're with your partner, you're coming from a good place. You're coming from a place of love, of being centered, of being present, where you can give and you can connect with your partner. So I think having success professionally can be a great way to then have success personally. Oh, I love that. All right, Brendan, one of our viewers like loves your advice and wants to know where she can get more uh, content of yours. So uh, we're going to do some more content, but where can we find your stuff? 
Yeah, so the best place to find me is through my website, Brendan H as in Harry Burns.com. So B-R-E-N-D-A-N-H Burns.com. Um, everything's there, the podcast, my programs. Um, I think people would really enjoy my Instagram account, which I've put a lot more energy into, specifically around relationships. It's something that I'm getting a lot of traction from, especially from people in the 20s and 30s, like my age group, and they're kind of sick of this swipe dating lifestyle and being frustrated with relationships. I've been creating a lot of content around that. My Instagram is at Brendan H. Burns, um, but pretty much anything there will set you up to get in touch with me, get on my distribution list or, or anything like that. Um, I also on Instagram, I do these things called 60 seconds of truth. And through my website, you can watch all of them. And I'm just like totally blunt and honest with people. Like, look, 60 seconds a day, this is what you need to do. And I just made a whole series of them seven in a row all on relationships that I've been pumping out as Instagram stories. And the response has been wild. I, I didn't realize how many people who were following me already were so interested in relationships. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Brandon. So let's take someone who has a totally unhealthy relationship where maybe they're dating somebody, they're anxious or, or not secure. How do they bounce back and get to a healthy relationship in their next relationship? Mm, yeah, that's good. So is the person still in that unhealthy relationship or are they out and, and ready to move on or trying to move on? They're done. Uh, either okay. it's a divorce or a breakup. They're, they're ready. Okay. Um, that's, that's great. And that's kind of where I was um, like last year. And I, I remember kind of being in that. So it was interesting. So that at that point last year, before I met my current partner, um, I deliberately took more time before getting into something new. And that was a mistake that I learned the hard way because in the previous relationship, I was, I, you know, we broke up and then I was in a bad place and I raced into something new. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that my career was not in sound footing. So I was like, well, I'm not happy with my business. So let me try to find happiness in a relationship. Again, wrong approach and attitude. So um, it really depends. Like, for example, if you are already in a decently good place and it was just clear that you were with someone who was just drinking all the time or smoking or just had totally different goals and you're not heartbroken and depressed, then I would say, okay, you know, just focus on what you want to attract and focus on who your next partner should be. But for the person that was in a super toxic codependent relationship, love addiction, something of that nature, I would say like take a big time out from dating and really explore yourself. If you don't have, or you've never done therapy or coaching, I would encourage you to check something like that out. Um, and look inward because I think a lot of people don't know what love really is. Um, if you want to get a car, like when you were, how old were you when you got your driver's license, Mike? Uh, I was 17. And did you just get the license they just handed to you or did you have to practice driving first? Yeah, man. I got the permit at 16. I, I had to drive a bit with my, my parents, did the whole thing and took a test. Yeah, hours and hours of driver's ed and the permit and, and driving with your parents and figuring it all out and, you know, turning left on red and realizing you can't do that. You spend a lot of time and, and that's just a car. Imagine like a pilot who wants to get a pilot's license, hundreds and hundreds of hours flying smaller planes, flight simulations, tests and all these things to get your license. But if I wanted to get married tonight, 5.41 p.m. on a Thursday night, 
I could call my girlfriend, assuming she agrees to this. We could go to City Hall and we could get our license tonight. No training, no studying, no preparation, no work. Why is that? Should this be regulated? <laughs> yeah. Should it be regulated? I don't think so. I think that would be controversial. But why not self-regulate? You know, if if you were if you need to spend so many hours with the car training, why do people spend nothing on a relationship? Why do people look at couples counseling as taboo? Why do people look at self-help sections of bookstores as for people who are broken? I think it's really important to see that love and preparing for love and getting to a good place yourself and investing in the relationship with your partner is one of the most beautiful and really necessary things that needs to happen. And it's something that doesn't happen enough. Like you told me when you came on my podcast, people throw away good relationships all the time because they don't know how to relate with each other. They don't know what love truly is. So I think it's really about educating yourself. And you don't have ex if you don't have experience, if you haven't read anything by John Gottman, if you haven't watched any Tony Robbins relationship videos, if you haven't watched your stuff or my stuff, you're not really qualified to be in a relationship. You have to kind of learn some stuff. Again, if you're a totally secure person and you were just with a psychopath and you're out now and your parents modeled intimacy well and you kind of have this already, then go for it and just try to find a better partner, explore why you chose a bad partner and then find someone better for you. But I think a lot of people, you know, they say that 50% uh, of first marriages end in divorce now. It's even higher for second and third marriages. But, you know, chances are one of the listeners, either one and two, their parents were divorced or out of that other 50%, there was probably some level of dysfunction and unhealthy patterns of intimacy being modeled. So I'd really encourage them to take a little bit of a methodical approach to understanding what a healthy relationship means and put, put a little time and investment into yourself in that regard. Oh, I love that. All right, we got another question. And th this one's actually geared towards me, but I'm going to have you answer anyway. Okay. Um, she said that I once said that guys want freedom in a relationship. So how should women behave on a date so that a man feels that he's getting freedom? Mm, that's a good one. So uh, every relationship requires uh, that you make some sort of compromises in your own life to give more of yourself to your partner because, and both partners have to make that compromise, including the men. But you also, as a woman, have to respect your partner's individuality and give them space to have their own life. So the latter point is important to make sure that you give them freedom. But I think people forget about the former, which is that any partner is going to have to make some sacrifices to have a healthy relationship. And I think it's important to understand the difference between um, not being clingy or controlling or, or too anxious, which you don't want to do because that will scare away even a secure man with the sort of balance of, okay, they're entitled to their own life, but I deserve to have a part of that life, a big part of that life, if it's going to be marriage, for example. So just understanding that balance, because like when you say when the, whoever wrote that question, to me, it seems like it's like, how can I, you know, not express my needs? How can I give him a lot of space so he won't ditch me? And I think that attitude is wrong because you're not expressing your needs. And I think you're not willing to um, open up to the possibility that there are many men out there who are very, very willing to give you what you want and meet your needs and be there for you. And yes, they deserve their own life as do you, 
but I think there are people out there who are willing to um, and who want a close relationship. In my past, because I was kind of like playing this feminine role in my past, I would, you know, date these very unavailable women. And then I met someone, Mike, and she was like, Brendan, I want to travel with you. Brendan, I want you to meet my parents. Brendan, I want to do a sleepover once a week. I want to do a date night every weeknight or one weeknight a week, not every night. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I love all this shit. And then um, we, you know, we broke up for important healthy reasons. It wasn't the right fit. And then, but I freaked out in the aftermath of that relationship. And I was like, no, but she wanted to travel and she wanted to spend time with me and she wanted me to meet my family. And someone said to me like, uh, yeah, like most secure women will want to do that with you. And the reason I thought that was so rare is because I was unhealthily or subconsciously for whatever reasons that we could dive into, I was picking on available women. So I think for the women out there who might be somewhat attracted to or just uh, exposed to a lot of unavailable men, they're afraid that maybe someone, a man may not be totally willing to commit to you, but the good news is they can. You just like, to your point, Mike, about the the programs you work with people on, go on a ton of dates, you know, find a man. There's a guy out there who is willing to spend time with you and travel with you and commit. And I think it's about um, expressing your needs openly and letting someone meet them. Yeah. I mean, that's so spot on. Um, you know, I never talk about this, but I think it's about 50, 50 in terms of 50% of it is selecting the right man. And Mm -hmm. then 50% of it is doing the right things within the relationship to make them feel happy, to make them feel free, to make them feel accepted, appreciated, and all the qualities a man's looking for. And then of course, always having constant communication to make sure both parties are happy in the relationship. Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, you know, it's partner selection is extremely, extremely important, but so is making sure that you're stepping into the right role. You're, you're meeting their needs. You're meeting your own needs because you can have a great partner, but if you're behaving in ways that are really like just not meeting the needs of your partner, or if you're treating them inappropriately, like even the healthiest, best partner is going to, will definitely communicate to you that, Hey, you can't be doing this, or this is affecting me negatively, but they will leave. So I could go out and find the most amazing woman in the world, but if I'm not being the man that she deserves, there's no relationship. She'll go elsewhere. So it's it's both. Yeah, it's finding someone great and honoring yourself enough to know that you deserve someone great, but also become the person that your partner deserves to have as well. And that's where a beautiful relationship can come from. Yes. All right. So Lioness said the last guy she dated uh, gave him freedom and he saw it as her being too independent. Mm. So, so what do you make of that? So, you know, in, in attachment theory, there's three buckets. There's the secure, there's the avoidant, and then there's the anxious. Secure is open for healthy intimacy. Avoidant is um, I'm afraid of intimacy, so I pull way back. And then anxious is too much clinging in your face. And the typical pattern is you see very often women are very anxious and the men are very avoidant. And so you have a push pull or like a trying to pull and the man's running away. Now I was anxious. That was my past. So I was like the more clingy feminine type, not the clingy and feminine are are connected that much, but I would definitely be more in that role. And I would date very masculine men who wanted a ton of independence. It sounds like your listener um, gave her ex partner or partner space. And he felt that uh, she was being too independent. So my question for her is, was she, 
living a healthy amount of balance where she gave him just a normal amount of freedom? Or is she potentially afraid of intimacy and was avoidant and thought she was giving him space, but really wasn't showing up for the relationship. And he was frustrated because he wasn't able to have intimacy with her. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, we'll see if she answers. Yeah. But in terms of this, um, my thought, and let's have a dialogue about this. We, we know we can't change the who a person is, right? We can't change who a man is, who a woman is. And so we always talk about like, we can, we're never going to change the characteristics of a person, but we can change behaviors. So in this instance, couldn't we have a dialogue and say like, hey, I'd love to see you uh, twice a week. Right now we see each other once a week. And it would make me so happy if we could see each other twice a week. And so now the behavior is, well, if we like each other, can we find two times a week to see each other? And that's a behavior, right? Yes. Do you think like something like that can fix these issues? Or is it more of this is the characteristic of the person? They don't want to be involved in this. And it's a, I mean, what do you make of this whole situation? So I, um, I'm still working through some of my anxious attachment style. And I'm also in a relationship with someone who's predominantly secure, but also has some anxious for sure herself. And the way I define a relationship between two people who are anxious is they both want to hang out with each other, but they aren't because they're both afraid to like make the first move and ask each other out. So you have like me in my apartment in New York thinking my partner doesn't like me and doesn't want to hang out with me. And I'm feeling hurt and abandoned. And then my girlfriend's out in Brooklyn and she's like, oh, he doesn't want to hang out with me. He's being avoidant. He doesn't like me, blah, blah, blah. We're both sad that we're not with each other, but we both want to be with each other. So that came down to simple communication of saying, uh, what's going on here? Like we want, we both want to be with each other. And so what I did was I set a rule and this is something I didn't make a rule. Like, oh, you have to do this. I said, would you be willing to do this with me? Because this will help me feel a lot less anxious. And it is before, you know, whenever we finish hanging out, like we try to do a date night once a week. And then we try to do at least one weekend night together um, is before you leave or before I leave, we um, put something on the calendar. Now, it doesn't have to be the exact thing of what we're going to be doing, but we just say, OK, let's both say if it's we like if it's Saturday morning, I just slept over, I go home. It's like, OK, um, let's just both hold Wednesday night to do something to have a fun date night and we can talk about it during the week but that made me feel a lot less anxious about the whole situation i'm not worried about when i'm gonna see her next i'm not worried that she doesn't like me so that was just one strategy that i implemented that was helpful to me for anyone who's feeling anxious to, and again to see if your partner is willing to commit to that which my partner was 100 percent willing to do that and to your question about you know can we go from one night a week to two nights a week it's about communicating that and seeing if your partner is willing to do it I had a client who was um, dating a man who was smothered by his mother. So he had intimacy issues and he, uh, I think they dated for like five months and they had never had one Saturday night together. He would go out and get drunk and, you know, do his own thing with his guy friends. And she never communicated to him that that was problematic to her uh, for a long time. And then she finally did. And he basically avoided it and didn't really answer the question. But between the lines, you could hear him saying, look, it's too much intimacy. I can't commit like this. Other things are priorities like my family and drinking and whatever. And she stayed in the relationship. And I said, well, I'm telling you what to do. And if you don't want to do what you're, I think you're supposed to do, our work here is kind of done. 
Um, I, I fire clients all the time, you know? Um, so right. <laughs> that was, that was it with her. And I, you know, I hope that she ultimately finds a way to, um, leave that relationship and, and go out and get a man who uh, she deserves. Right. Um, so yeah, I think for the listener or whoever posed that question, I think it's totally reasonable to spend at least two nights a week together, especially in a serious relationship. Um, and if, and, but you have to communicate that as the woman, the ball's in your court to ask for that, but then the ball's in his court to step up and say yes. And if not, ball goes back to the woman's court to be like, all right, well, is this the right relationship for me? I love that. That is beautiful. All right, guys. Um, I think we can all agree that this was a phenomenal interview and we were so lucky to get Brendan here for this. Um, and I also know that Brendan is giving away a free gift and I believe this thing is pretty awesome. Brendan, can you do oh, guys, just, you know, I'm going to pop it down here in the info so you can get it. Um, uh, we don't have to like memorize anything. Just go down there, click it. Bingo, bingo. You got more Brendo. Brendan, what is the gift that you're giving away though? Okay, so I basically spent one year teaching a life coaching seminar um, once a week, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Um, I did probably 30, 40, 50 of these, and I took my best one, and I had it recorded, and now you guys can all watch it for free. If you go to masteringlifeacademy.com, you can sign up and watch it 100% for free, or if you just go to my website, brendanhburns.com, and you click, you'll see there's watch the free masterclass. That'll take you right to that page. But if you do this, I've had people write me back that within three weeks of watching it, they doubled their salary. So really? I have it, there's, an, there's an exercise in there that I learned. I went to a $6,000 week-long seminar across the country, and a guy from Australia came into the room and blew my mind open with this one strategy that allowed me to double my income. And it's not a free, it's not, this isn't like cryptocurrency or flipping houses. You got to put in the work. But if you follow the strategy in this training, it will work for you. So masteringlifeacademy.com or brendanhburns.com, you'll find it there. Well, shoot, man. Yeah, you I want, want it? My income. I'm, I'm going to watch this thing. Watch the video and then shoot me a message. I'll hook you up. I'm going to. Yeah. Count that one. Good. I'm getting it. Got it. Can't wait. Got me excited. It's yeah. gonna be a good Thursday for Mike. Now, this is a really fun one because I used to do a lot of like social media, Instagram coaching, it paid the bills, it was fun. I have this big hundred thousand person Instagram account. Um, but my real passion is this stuff and happiness and coaching and helping people. So I made a new seminar. Um, and that's the Mastering Life Academy one, and it's the hour-long training. There's exercises, there's quizzes, there's even um, a gorilla in there that you'll see. So check all that out, um, enjoy it. It's fun, it's interactive. You can participate in the chat box. Um, it's a really cool video, and I'm really proud that that's now on my homepage and instead of like an Instagram training, because that much more represents my mission. Cool. All right. Well, this was absolutely phenomenal. I know I learned a lot. So, Brendan, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And everyone that's uh, came to watch this live, I, I know uh, this isn't great hours, especially for us New Yorkers that are working those crazy hours. And you folks on the West Coast, are it's, it's much earlier. But anyway, thank you guys for showing up. Um, the recording is going to be up here if you're not watching it live. Ask some questions. Uh, I'm going to hound Brendan and I'm – He's the man, so he's going to check these comments 
and he'll respond if you guys have questions for him. I'm going to respond. I want to, you know, get closer with you guys and answer some questions. Um, and, of course, um, if you haven't, get down there, subscribe to my channel. Um, I'm going to put out a video every single Tuesday, and there's already a few hundred videos. So I got you back. I've got you on most topics at this point, but there's still way more for me to do. And so I love all of you, and we will see you for next video. And once again, thanks, Brendan. See you guys. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everyone. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Lastly, if you're looking to take your personal life, business, or career to the next level and you want access to me as well as my community of like-minded people, head over to courses.brendanhburns.com and join us in Mastery Academy, my membership site that comes with online course content as well as live coaching calls every two weeks hosted by me personally. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.